Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. .edu/podcast What's up everybody? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, a podcast about trees and other related topics. Season 4 plant-based diet. Casey Clap, Alex Crosen, can you believe it that we're actually going to be doing a season that is the fourth in the row? It's pretty incredible, my man. Fourth season, yeah, Alex. Pretty it cool, is, man. Uh, it's the beginning of fall now. It is. Our fall collection is coming to an open. We've had designers working feverishly <laughs> for years coming up with what our fall collection is going to be based on the seasonality, you know, what we're feeling right now, understanding the, the cultural fads and norms and the shifts of ideologies. Yes. And we've really come down, we've distilled literally 250,000 species of trees to these 12 <laughs> over the course of such diligent research and uh, uh, market uh, uh-huh. fluctuations. In, and, in contrast to Casey, I will yeah. say we came up with this list in about 35 minutes. Whoa, Alex. Keep the veil on a little bit, would you? Jeez. No way, man. Oh, well, hey, how about this, Case? If, if, I just want to say, if this is your first time listening to Completely Arbitrary, welcome. welcome. Uh, this is a podcast about trees. And other related topics. That's right. Every episode, we talk about a species of tree and a related topic to that tree. And then at the end, we give it a fun rating. Uh, don't get upset about the rating. Yeah, yeah, it's don't just uh, for fun. Yeah, don't add us. It's the entire name of the show. Completely <laughs> yeah. arbitrary. The name is in recollection to the idea that the rating and review is arbitrary. Yes. In an entire sense. It's just pointless fun. And don't we need more of that in this world, Casey? You know, I do. I think we do. Pointless fun that hurts nobody except for sometimes your reputation if you are a really intense advocate for, let's say, the Arbovita. Yes, that's right. In which case, yes, sorry. That's uh, (laughs) no no crime is a victimless crime. Well, I'm Alex Cross, and this is Casey Clapp. Bonjour. And this season... Season four, we're going to talk all about food trees, trees that provide food for humans, specifically. I'm so excited. Uh, and I just can't hide it. Oh. I'm about to lose control. And Casey, I think I like it. Yeah, I think you shouldn't fight it. Uh, Casey, I want to reveal something. Okay. Right before we started recording. Wait a sec. Casey revealed you to me. can't do this And I am secondhand revealing. Are you outing me right now? Casey and I are both hungry right now (laughs) on theme with this season, Case, about food. That is true, yeah. Every (laughs) single episode we're going to do on the brink of uh, a fast. Yes. Or the the end brink of it where we're about to eat for the first time. That's right. Every rating is going to be a 10. Yeah, we're very hungry and everything's going to sound great. (laughs) Uh, And I said, well, I've got some apples and peanut butter. And Casey said to me, oh, I don't like peanut butter. You know what? And my jaw... Listen. Actually, it was more your eyes. Your eyes almost like bugged out of your head where you're like, whoa? Yeah. I'm not one of these people who's like, I don't yuck a yum, okay? Yeah. Uh, I don't I, yum a yuck. I, I actually do many times yuck yums. You do yuck yums. Yeah. You've yucked some of my yums and I it know, hurts yeah. my feelings. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. It's okay. Uh, but yeah, to find out you don't like peanut butter, mm-hmm. I don't know anybody who doesn't like peanut butter. Yeah, there's a few of us out there. How about if you don't like peanut butter, uh, write to us on Instagram, hashtag mm-hmm. 
I don't like peanut butter. Yes, please do. And you know what is the thing, though, Alex? I hold to this day that, in fact, we have it right. Everyone else has it wrong. You're blinded by big peanut butter wow. is my assumption. You know, like Jif has been like putting peanut butter in everything for so long. Uh-huh. You guys think that's good. But, in fact, it isn't. And you are just like robotically walking down, you know, this peanut butter aisle. Wow. And just being like, yes, this is good. And it's like, no, open your eyes, you sheep. <laughs> Go get some other kind of butter. You, you know what, Case? You've got That's opinions, and I like that about hey, you. Hey, thanks. I like your opinions, too, most of the time. Here's an opinion. All right. Today, I think we should talk about a tree. I think it's a good opinion. I agree with that opinion. All in favor? And. Oh, sorry. Aye. The Congress says yay. Yes, they do. <laughs> hear ye, hear ye. Uh, Casey, today we are talking about the apple the tree. Apple tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what? What science? Which species specifically are we chatting about? That today? is a good question. So we are going with today Malus domestica. Malus domestica is the one that we're going to choose. However, hey. that is it's it's a, it's rough. Malus is right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Agreed. Mm. Apple Malus domestica. M A L U S Malus. That is the uh, the genus name for what we colloquially know as apples. Okay. Malice. Malice. M-A-L-U-S. I wonder yeah. where that comes from etymologically. Also, uh, I don't know. It's a really good question. We also, I guess, uh, so I'm looking here, and this is this is upsetting to me, where there's also like, that's what they are saying that they're calling the... Um, the the crab apples, you know, so like um, other kinds of apples, but I'm I'm pretty positive that it's more than just the crab apples, and the reason for that is that crab apples and apples are the same thing, right? So you can't say it's for crab apples because any apple it could have been a crab apple and probably was at some point. So you know, it's a little you know, I don't know, Casey. Before we get into all that, all right, all right, l- let's imagine as we do every episode. That you and I are walking through an apple orchard. Oh, great. Hey, how about we are walking through that orchard in Wizard of Oz with all the uh, trees that are alive? Oh, yeah. They, like, they, uh, what did they do? They like snap a branch or something? Like something happened to the trees? Like, hey! Well, no, she tries to pick their apples. Ah, uh, yeah. And they start throwing them at her, and yeah. then they start throwing them back. And there, there was a food fight. That's right. There was a food fight with apples. Man, I totally forgot about that. And an apple rolls away and she goes to chase it and she finds it and she grabs it and the camera pans up and it's a tin man. <sighs> a man made of tin. Man, that that movie was beautiful. So let's imagine that we're walking through a scary apple orchard with a trees that are alive. And I say, Casey, please describe this tree to me. I know what it is, clearly, uh, if they're in season. Yeah. Casey, let's talk Apples. So the apples, they are a broadleaf deciduous species of tree, okay. Malus domestica. Most of them, I think, actually, um, any of the species, there's multiple species in Malus. Um, I believe they are all deciduous trees. Um, they're alternately arranged leaves. However, their leaves grow out of these little spur shoots most of the time. Huh. So on a big new shoot, uh, a new sprout that comes up off of a tree, the leaves will be singularly born, alternating around the stem in kind of a little bit of a spiralish pattern. Interesting. Um, but then once those uh, become older stems, those buds actually start to grow on little teeny tiny spur shoots. Um, and we've talked about this before where, um, like with the larch, where you can have different species of, uh, or, or different um, kinds of morphological characteristics where it has the, some, uh, I can't remember the term off the top of my head, but essentially you have really long growing um, shoots and the really small growing shoots that are growing at the same, what was it, dimorphic, uh, dim- dimorphic, something like that? I think it might just be dimorphic. Okay. Anyway, um, so it looks like they may be alternate or, you know, some kind kind of weird bunch, but it's really just a a shoot that's growing really, really, really slowly, almost not at all. So that each time it puts out new leaves, it just looks like they all come from the same spot. Hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, like little spur shoots, just like uh, like the true cedar also. They do the same thing, where these little teeny tiny shoots with big uh, blasts of leaves that come out. So it's got a little clustered... A yeah. cluster limb kind of thing going on. Yeah, cluster leaf. I, I think that's fair. Yeah, that's a good description of it. Yeah, we'll call it a cluster leaf. All right. And from these cluster leaves, you also get cluster flowers that pop Ooh. out. Now, they're in the rose family, so their flowers will have um, 
multiples of five um, flower parts. Apples in the rose family? Apples are in the rose family. How about that? Yeah, there you go. They have, uh, what is it? It's five petals, and then I think they have five um, stamen, five uh, pistils, and they would be produced in like these little bundles of maybe several different flowers all at once. Okay. And those flowers are really beautiful. They're little white flowers. Um, contrast nicely. As the leaves first come out, they have this kind of sort of orange-reddish hue to them. Then mm. they turn really nice and green, serrated edges on it. They're a little bit kind of cup-shaped. They kind of um, either will uh, look like they're concave or a little bit convex um, oh, over wow. time. Oh, They're uh, really pretty. They are. They do. They, 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 have nice, they have a nice appearance to them. And they uh, they generally though over the time of a year they they kind of get uh, a lot of different um, diseases they they it's just similar to cherries in that regard where they just don't have a lot of defense in the leaves I oh, guess oh okay so they end up getting you know a little scorch over here you know bug uh, eats them on one side they get a hole through them that kind of thing can I say one quick thing about the leaves of course these margins. Yeah. are like fatty serrations. Yeah, they're pretty big sometimes, right? Yeah, they're like thick serrations. They don't they don't mess round as like, as it were. Yeah, they're like um uh, uh they're like you know like how regular serrations are sort of like uh, little teeth. Yeah, these yeah, like, yeah. These are like molars. These are like big teeth. Yeah. yeah, but they don't they're they don't hurt at all. Like they're they they're they're just for show. Yeah, all, they look quite soft. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. What else do we got? It's a small tree. It doesn't grow very big in the grand scheme of things. You uh-huh. know, maybe up to 25, 30 feet. Really not too massive. It's a small tree. It's a small tree. Um, a lot of times in orchards, they're actually even smaller because they don't want the tree to grow really big. They, Is that because you want more trees in an orchard? Yeah. They don't want the com- uh, competition, but it's also so that you can actually harvest the apples that you're growing. I see. So if they're really gigantic and massive, especially before we, you know, had widespread easily available ladders then you would have to like climb the tree go out to the very end of a branch or you have like somehow get to the outer branches where the leaves and the fruit are so if you kept it really low you can just get one little orchard ladder climb up to it and then Mm. pull all the all the fruit off i see so it's just easier to do it that way not to mention they want to keep the trees really stressed um that's the big thing about um apple orchards and most orchards if you have a tree that's really happy, it doesn't really put out a lot of fruit. If the tree is really stressed and you like cut all those little sprouts off and you like really cut it back a lot, the tree feels like something is wrong. It has a reaction wow. that it's like something's wrong, I need to reproduce. Cones uh, or tree uh, trees do this with cones all the time. Where if it's a distressed Douglas fir, it'll but just one year, like let's say after this year when there's a big heat wave, really mm-hmm. stress a lot of trees. Next year, there's probably going to be a ridiculous amount of cones because they're like everything's going to go wrong. I may die because I'm really stressed this year. I haven't saved up with the way I need to, so it puts out a bunch of cones, a bunch of energy into reproduction, assuming that it will kick the bucket in some very imminent moment of time. So that's sort of the same way that like. You and I took a walk today and we saw some red maples mm-hmm. that were stressed yeah. and were growing a bunch of extra limbs out in the sides. Yes. That's sort of the same proper, uh, same function? Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay. except in this case, instead of having the sprouts come out, um, well, I guess apples trees, they would do that too. They would sprout, but not necessarily put on the fruit. Yeah. The thing is they cut those sprouts off pretty often because they, they just take energy away from right. the tree and the tree doesn't produce those big gigantic apples. Wow. Casey, yeah. let's talk bark. Let's talk that bark. It's actually... my favorite part of the apple tree i would Whoa, say Whoa, really yeah. so it kind of is uh it's usually gray and um most of the time apple bark will be gray a couple little lenticels on it but it kind of has this weird almost puzzle piecey kind of effect to it where it kind of rips off a little bit and you can see like this nice curved line of like under bark a little bit hmm. at least that's how i see most of the time it's a fairly standard gray color with little lenticels and dots and it doesn't really um jump out to you too much but it is starkly different than you'll see a cherry tree which a lot of people would get these confused a little crab apple are apples that are really small like the size of a quarter or a big marble uh-huh. they look kind of like cherry because it's about the same size. Um, however, they fruit at different times and they have flowers and you say, well, maybe is this is this an apple? Is it a pear? And um, the apples specifically have bark that is really smooth and gray. Um, and then, like I said, sometimes it'll split also as the tree's growing. The mm. outer bark will break off a little bit and then you can get this really cool, like almost big puzzle piece bark. You know, like you, you get um, a, Doug, or a uh, ponderous pine 
Yeah. Has puzzle piece bark. That's what they call it. But that would be like a thousand piece puzzle piece. Whereas the apple tree, it's more like those kids. Uh, yes, like ones. a floor puzzle. Yeah, but floor puzzle with like 15 puzzle pieces. <laughs> so like a, a toddler can do it and yeah. feel like, you know, really accomplished putting these gigantic puzzle pieces together. That is the way I'd say the apple's puzzle piece bark appears to me like a dinner plate sized piece yeah exactly yeah or like elongated up the entire side of a tree i see anyway it's really beautiful i think it actually looks quite nice i i think it's a handsome tree it's a good looking tree if you're looking at the bark yeah yeah now of course alex yes it makes fruit Boy, does it ever. Now, have you ever had an apple recently? You know what, Case? I had one not last night. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, Then when did you have it? uh, uh, This morning. (laughs) Ah, I see. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, It was delicious. I forget the variety. Ruby uh, ruby something Uh, apple. Not like like a red delicious? No, it was called a ruby something. Okay. Um, Granny Smith? Uh, no, I think it was called a ruby something. Okay. Yeah. All right, that's fair. <laughs> it was so good. So juicy and uh, like crisp and, and was it the, wasn't mealy at all. It was so fresh. All right. What what the what was the taste? Was it sharp or sweet, sour? Uh, a little tart. Okay. And a little sweet. Mm. And extremely juicy. My favorite part was the texture and how juicy it was. Right, that's fair. Did it have a nice crisp crispness to it? It, it did have a nice crispness to, to it. Crispness. Crispness. Yeah, Chris-ness. Anyway. Yes. So. That's a good actor name, like a stage name. Ooh, Chris. Crispiness. <laughs> yeah, that would be really good. Crispiness. Hi, we're talking to Crispiness today. Yeah, he's famous for being an apple. Oh. So. Like in the Fruit of the Loom commercials. Oh, yeah. Oh, That's that actor's would, name. It they, totally is. He's always yeah, typecast. It's the beside, behind the scenes thing. Yeah. Yeah. He's been trying to get jobs for years, and everyone just passes on him. Yeah, that commercial money dried up. Well, back on target here. Alex, it, the apple tree makes the apple. Yes. It is such a famously understood and known thing. I get it. I know everyone does. It exists. Now, an apple is a poem. It is the quintessential poem. Yes. P-O-M-E. And what makes a poem a poem is that the uh, the woody texture, the woody uh, um, receptacle, which is the part of a flower that is the attachment point to the stem, to the pedestal. Um, in the receptacles, right at the very base, it's the thing that connects, you know, and actually holds it onto the, the tree itself or the plant. And the receptacle in an apple is what actually becomes so fleshy and so delectable and delicious. Mm-hmm. So as uh, as we know, a flower or rather a fruit is a mature ovary. That's right. right? So a mature ovary would many times in the, in the case of like say a cherry or a peach or something like that. That would be the uh, the outer section of the flower, which is the base where the ovary is. It would expand out, get really delicious, and then we'd eat that. Whereas with an apple, it actually is the the ovary is the core, that papery core of the apple with mm-hmm. those five seeds in it. You know, like you cut an apple in half and it has like that star shape yes. in the middle. Beautiful. That is actually the ovary. Oh. And then the receptacle at the base gets really big and juicy. And the way you know that is that if you flip an apple over to the bottom side mm-hmm. and you see those two little or those five little like sort of things on it. Starfish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is actually the sepals which are the outer bits uh on the outside of the petals on a flower okay so that tells you that the flower was actually at the bottom of the apple and then the base of the flower the receptacle expands out and then the uh, as far as i understand i think the ovary essentially like subducts into that area just kind of moves up a little bit as it matures then the stem tissue which is why it has such a weird texture as you were noting before um a cherry a mango a banana all these other things those textures are the ovary 
becoming the delicious thing that we eat. Whereas this case, it's actually modified stem tissue, which why it is why it has such a strange texture. Same thing with pears. You know how they have that kind of weird, different texture than any other yeah. kind of fruit? That's what it is. You know, it's all very gross. I know. When you talk about the science of everything, yeah, or the bot- botany of it, maybe. It's, very, it's all very disgusting. Yeah, I'm sorry. I hope I... I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I hope I ruined apples for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're a classic apple hater. You know what? It reminds <sighs> me of like, I love, of course, like, you know, pork belly. Yeah. But if I saw pork belly being made start mm, to finish, I yeah. would probably not love pork belly That's all fair. that much. That's right. My mom does the same thing. She's like, don't tell me what's in a uh, hot dog. And I'm yeah. like, why? You like it anyway. Right. It shouldn't matter what's in it if you, are, if you still think it's delicious. I mean, if you buy good hot dogs... Yeah, you don't have. To. I mean, it's still it's still an animal carcass. Yeah, instead of like spam, essentially. Yeah, this is the this is the this is the the side effect of this season, possibly that mm, you're gonna get hungry. Uh, well, I was gonna say the opposite. Oh, it's gonna make you not want. It's gonna ruin your palate. For yeah, things. it's gonna ruin food for well, me. Well, you know, I'm okay with that actually. Okay, in cool. this case, because um, I think apples should. Um, Go away. Go to hell. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's the case. Casey, you are a classic Apple hater. Yes. You appeared on an episode of Allie Ward's podcast, Ologies. That's right. You were the dendrologist on the mm-hmm. dendrology episode. You should go listen to it. Ologies, Allie Ward, delightful, exceptional. Yes. Love those, those two entities entirely. Amazing person and people, her whole team. Um, at some point in that episode, Allie brought up Apple's. Or yes. they were they were brought up somehow. We yeah, we were and, just talking about it. And Allie cut in a voiceover to say, <laughs> at this point in the interview, Casey went on a twenty minute rant that she cut out of the episode. <laughs> she did regarding apples. <laughs> yes, Casey, unfiltered. We are going to hear your thoughts okay. on apples yeah. after this quick break. We'll be right back with more completely arbitrary. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to more Completely Arbitrary. Today we're talking about apples. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, all right. Without further ado, Alex. Yeah? Apples suck. Okay, Casey. Let's get into it. All right. Here's, here's why, okay? You had apples. They taste fine, okay? I, yeah. have no, I have no problems with apples in the sense of, you know, are they, do they taste bad? Like, I, I don't have the same idea as I do with, say, peanut butter. Right. You don't find them distasteful yes. according to your palate. Correct. Most of the time. Before I get into that, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a history about apples. Cool. And I'm going to contrast why I think they're sometimes cool and sometimes not cool. Have you heard of Johnny Appleseed? You remember this guy? Yeah. Yeah. So Johnny Appleseed, the old J.A. as we call him. Uh-huh. Uh, Johnny Appleseed. And uh, just before I go too far, um, this has come to me from a book. It's it's also common knowledge. Like, it's actually kind of everywhere. Um, but American Canopy by Eric Rutkow is hmm. his name. Um, it's a book I think we've talked about a couple times before. And it is a, a, a history of the United States as seen through trees and how we interacted with them. Wasn't that our book idea? Oh, no. I, I, no, I think... I, A Tree's History of the United States? Yes, I think it is, but that would be... Um, I had imagined it from a different spect like literally from the perspective of a tree. We'll talk with our editor. So what he talks about is he says, you know... The American uh, story, you know, has all these trees that, that took part in it, right? And so this one, he talks about um, this this time in our history where uh, we had just become a nation, like right after the Revolutionary War. Mm-hmm. We were fighting with uh, the British all over the place. And there is, have you ever heard of Northwestern University? Yeah. It's in what used to be the northwestern corner of the United States of America. Oh, pre-Louisiana. Purchase, yes, and all that stuff. Exactly, pre Louisiana Purchase, but also post um, this big war that happened, and that war was for this. uh, I guess it was was a a war between the Native Americans, and it was a war that the British and the Native Americans were both fighting against the United States for. Okay, 
And they were fighting for this wilderness area that no, it was just dark and it was full of all these native tribes and it was very scary and it was just forests, the whole thing. And everyone's like, well, we got that. We want that land. We're going to fight a war about it. We now know this area as Ohio. Okay. As well as Indiana and Illinois, uh, Wisconsin, a little bit of um, uh, Minnesota. So at the time, that was just a big, gigantic, scary forest. And we had this big, gigantic war, and we ended up taking that land. And then slowly but surely, pioneers marched over and started to live in this area. Mm -hmm. This is a classic thing the United States has done over the next 200 years after this, maybe 150, where we would slowly colonize and take over a place and then put settlers over there, assume the control of the land, and then have these big um, wars with the native peoples that are there and then kick them out and all this stuff. It starts to make me sad. It makes, it should. It absolutely should make you sad. And it's repeated literally, you know, every 10 years, like all the way through the 1880s. In this case, um, there was a big, gigantic war and it ended uh, with a battle. And this battle was, I think, of uh, the Battle of Fallen Timbers. And that's kind of the big one that and said, okay, cool. This confederacy of tribes um, that included quite a few different um, tribes in that area, the Shawnee, um, Potawatomi, Otawam, Ojibwe, Iroquois, Delaware, Cherokee, a bunch of these tribes up in this kind of northern area. Mm-hmm. Um, they all got kicked out, and we ended up colonizing this land. Now, in order to colonize this land, the United States government, as well as like development um, businesses, they said, well, if you want land, you have to prove to us that you are developing it and in making it nice, better land. You know, they had that kind of idea. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, well, this land is wasted land if it literally was not, it was anything else but like, <laughs> you know, growing a Producing crop. something. Yeah, yeah, for the white people, you know? So, in order to do that, at the time, this was the frontier. So, you're talking about, this is like late 1700s, early 1800s. And uh, in order to claim a land and say that, you you know, if you just walked over and said, this land's mine, they'd say, well, prove you're doing something with it. In order to prove it, you would cut down a bunch of trees, and then you would either plant crops that could grow there, wheat, all these other things, or, and or, you would plant an orchard. Okay. The reason you'd plant an orchard is because you would get all these little apples and peaches. And this is like on rules and regulations where it said within three years, plant 400 apple trees and create an orchard. And these orchard apples would grow up and they would produce these little teeny tiny crab apples, like, um, you know, really small little things yeah. that were literally only good for crushing. And I mean that literally, Alex. <laughs> get it? Because you, you turn it into cider. Wait, what is the other meaning? The other meaning is I said earlier that you they're only good for oh. crushing underfoot. Yeah, sorry. I'm so sorry it was, it was I couldn't make it there with you. No, you're doing great. So anyway, so Johnny Appleseed, back to that guy. Oh, he was yeah. this crazy dude from Massachusetts who, like, he basically was... I don't know how best to put it, like a, a vagabond. Okay. And he loved apples almost to a religious extent. A Jesus figure, but without the uh, propheticness. I think... I'm yes. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say yes. Remember when you said Jesus was out and about performing magic tricks? <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, that makes me laugh so hard. I love that. So, Johnny Appleseed was also performing magic tricks. Yeah. That is growing apples uh, from seed all the time. In it fact, he. You know, he thought. What he thought that if you propagated apples from grafting or um, from budding, which is just grafting a bud onto another space where there used to be bud, mm-hmm. he would call that in a, 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 a ball. No, uh, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Abomination. Thank you. Abomination of nature. That's what I say. Yeah, he, yeah. You guys on the same page. Wow. I wonder if I got that from him. Uh, you probably did. Probably came through the ether. You know, he from, speaks you know, from his idea. He, he speaks through me. Casey. He does. I can see it. Yeah, I can hear him saying apples, <laughs> apples. <laughs> So he would go and he would, um, at the time, you would basically claim X amount of property. You'd plant a bunch of apple trees on it. Mm-hmm. And then that would be your property. The government would say, sound good. Sounds good. Here's the deed. You now are a property owner. Okay. He would do that, sleep on the ground. And then he was a part of this really strange, like religious um, uh, cult, essentially. From oh. I think it's called like Swedensburg or something like that. Swedesburgsians. Sweet. Swedenbergsians. Something like that. It doesn't exactly um, roll off the tongue. It, it really doesn't. And if you're starting a cult, you want a catchy name. Yeah, exactly. Google, you know? Yeah. I think Heaven's Gate. That's a good that's Heaven's Gate. Yeah. It's tight. Uh so he basically would do this and then he would just move along at the front 
end of all the migration that was coming over. Mm. So he would plant his things, and then he would say, well, this is my land. And the government would say, yep, this is your land. Sign it off to him. Now he owns land. Okay. He would then continue on to the next place, and he would do this just in the very first wave of pioneers. The reason this was important, Alex, everyone wonders, why apple trees? Who cares about apples? Well, just the same as beer, way back when, cider was the number one thing that people drank, period. Yeah. Water was too dangerous right. because we did not figure out how to like keep our poop out of water. <laughs> so Idiots. Idiots. So we would constantly like have to deal with like cholera outbreaks and like, you know, Fuck. water that's completely destroyed. Um, but if you ferment uh, water, then first off, you'd have to boil it. Once it's boiled, then all of a sudden you close it off and then it ends up doing fermentation projects. So you ended up uh, creating cider. And this is the, the uh. traditional hard cider. But back then, there was no, quote, soft cider. Right. If you're drinking cider, it was alcoholic. Yeah. The reason is it's just better and easier to drink. Low alcoholic cider would not get you super drunk, but it would get you just a little drunk and you'd enjoy it and you'd have a good time. You'd be set for the whole day because you're drinking cider the whole day mm -hmm. and you, you know, you don't die from drinking bad water. So everywhere, all over the place, like one in 10 farmers had an apple press to make cider because they would either sell it, they would trade it, or it, they would just drink it themselves and they wouldn't get sick. Right. So, the cool thing about apples is they are what's called, um, uh, what was the term? Uh, it is essentially extremely heterogeneous, I think is the term, <laughs> um, which basically means that their seeds do not follow true to their parents. It's funny that in like a scientific way, someone would say something is extremely anything. Yeah, right? It is. It's kind of fun. Uh, extreme heterozygotes. That's the term I'm looking for. Okay. And basically what that means is that if you had like, let's say two human beings procreate, the offspring is going to have a mix of the two human being before them, their, their genes, right? Yeah. So they kind of share traits. They look similar in some regard. Now, apple trees do the exact opposite, where their genes are basically like thrown into some huge mixer, and then they just pop out seeds that are completely un unrelated to the, the parents. They don't look like them at all. Okay. So you can have two parents that are big, delicious apples, and then like mix them together and then the seeds that come from their offspring could be like the most ridiculously crazy apples mm. that make no sense that you're like wait this little tiny thing that tastes like dirt and you know sour astringent fruit that came from these two really delicious apples that are big and sweet and mellow but it would still be it would be the same this is a dumb question i know it is it's ridiculous this it, they, the child would be the same like species and cultivar right like no not cultivar but species yes okay so they just have a huge amount of variation in their genome okay. and that would come out in the seeds of any given tree so that would present itself as like like morphology of the fruit and the tree itself not necessarily like the dna of yeah the tree. exactly it's okay. like this is still an apple but it's like just with humans there's a huge amount of variation with what we look like in terms of each are all individual sort mm -hmm. of traits now in the difference being in apples it just happens randomly all the time i see and that was really good when you're trying to get an apple to grow in this new place in the midwest you'd plant a bunch of seeds they would all grow up and they'd all be completely different from each other but each one of those seeds would then produce maybe an apple that grows really well in that specific spot. Okay. So then you end up getting this like um, in situ breeding program where Johnny Appleseed is planting a bunch of things, claiming land the entire way. Keep this in mind mm -hmm. because now he's getting way more rich than everybody else. Right. Because he's just moving from point to point, claiming land, then he can sell that land or okay. then he has that in his estate kind of thing. So, so he's not selling the apples, he's selling the land. Exactly. He's more profitable. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he's also selling the apples because people are like, yeah, we need apples. We'll totally, we'll, we'll totally do this. Yeah. So he's getting like these kind of sub-profits, but because he's kind of a vagabond, he doesn't really care. And he ends up getting seeds for apples that are growing. Some of them are really delicious. Some of them are just good for pressing. Most of them are just made into cider. So he's ended up basically doing this weird breeding sort of scheme mm. over the years, finding which apples work, moving them down the line, and like just moving them 20 feet or 20 miles further and further across Idaho, I'm sorry, across Ohio into Indiana. Okay. So he is right on this front line. He's causing all these uh, all these new apple orchards, and the apple itself is a really cool plant because it can do that. 
The reason they think it is is because if you get a bunch of wacky new species, some will have different traits that others don't. So you can be willing to bet that a couple of those seeds are going to survive no matter what's thrown at them. If everything else is getting some disease, these genes are so scattered and wacky, maybe it's not going to get that disease. Maybe it'll have some good uh, thing. Interesting. So that's the theory as to why that would work. Because if you get one disease and then each one of your successors also is susceptible to that disease, Uh then... All of a sudden, you're just like shooting yourself in your foot. But there's enough diversity happening even among all these, the same species that a disease might not uh, affect every single tree. Precisely, yeah. So anyway, uh, you fast forward a little ways, and then all of a sudden, we started getting these like um, very intense religious movements, and uh, they are, we commonly call them temperance movements. Heaven's uh, Gate. In this case, yeah, Heaven's Gate. Wink, wink. Everyone knows. They said Heaven's Heaven's, Heaven's Gates three, (laughs) shit. It doesn't roll off the tongue, apparently. Let's move on. <laughs> so you, um, uh, many times in the late 18, or for beginning in the late 1800s, actually, it was even probably before that, through the 1900s, yeah. um, mostly these uh, uh, groups were led by women um, because they were claiming that alcohol and alcoholism was destroying society and the home. Yes, probably not that far off. <laughs> yeah, they're not that far off. And But the main reason that it was a, a big deal is that at the time, like only men could go to saloons. That's oh. where they would go. Women were like not allowed in half the time like on these frontier places so the men would go spend all their money that they just earned getting wasted and then they would come back and their wives would be like where's all the money that you just spent the entire week earning which is like literally 16 cents yeah and then they would just go buy a bunch of whiskey and things and so it became this big like social problem and there's also this morality to like being a good person and a good christian and all these things so there's this whole big movement that culminated after world war one in the 18th amendment that completely prohibited the sale, distribution, and drinking of alcohol. Right. So that was this huge big deal. And as it was building up to this, there were big movements where they would go and like chop down orchards. Like the FBI would go and cut down orchards of apples because the apples were not meant to be eaten. They were meant for drinking right so this was the thing that apples were like that's why we even know about apples that's why they're everywhere right now that's why there's orchards all over the world it was to drink it i remember an episode of boardwalk empire uh-huh uh did you ever see that show a couple times Steve yeah Buscemi, mm-hmm. where like at a certain point there's a scene where like a bunch of fbi people show up and they have like sledgehammers yeah and they like they just like 30 of them go in there and just are like sledgehammering barrels yeah right uh uh cider barrels that's what they were that's what they were being used for i do want to say like i get prohibition totally i'm not a listen i'm i am i am personally sober i have Mm -hmm. no problem with other people drinking i'm not i'm not a moral type uh in any way um (laughs) yeah you you're amoral (laughs) (laughs) like i don't know imagine the time yeah and like how like if 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 cider is safer to drink than water, yeah, it's like what keeps you hydrated. How much must they have been Imagine drinking? How fucking drunk these people were. Everybody, yeah, it's, it had to have been insane. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I I see that it was a big problem. I mean, it was such a an intense societal thing that it was like ratified and it changed the constitution of the United States. That was an amendment to the constitution of the United yes, States. Yes, totally. Which is a stunning thing. Yeah, I so I agree with you on that. I think it's a totally fair idea. But the funny thing is, the world transitioned from, at that moment, you couldn't grow apples for food anymore. I'm sorry, for drinking. So they started focusing their efforts and making, like some people were like, well, let's turn it into something else. So they make cider that was non-alcoholic and apple juices. Mm. Then they were like, well, if we're going to drink it like this, it needs to be a little bit sweeter. So they started developing and breeding apples that had different um, different flavor profiles and tastes and things like this. Oh, The wheels of industry move, and then we start getting these big, red, delicious apples. And we start getting these other apples that are, you know, fantastically large, like the size of a softball. Yeah. Now, remember... All the trees before this were growing these little marble-sized crab apples. They were really small. Like They would be developed so that a small animal or a bird or something like that could go by and eat them and then keep going, right? right? That's how they were distributed. That's the whole point of the fruit. Then we started getting our American hands on them and said, well, let's make this apple 
bigger and sweeter and better and more delicious. And so we started doing that and we basically made a bunch of these varieties. They are like, you know, the big and delicious ones, the Junganalder or something like that. And then, you know, your, your Granny Smiths and all these things. And so people started eating these and there's a bunch of different varieties that were out there, like literally per, you know, different place in the United States, you can get this big delicious apple. They would then grow those in mass industrial places, all the same variety, because remember, you uh, the seeds of apples don't go true. So if you want to make an, another apple tree of the same kind of apple, mm-hmm. you have to take a cutting or graft it onto another rootstock. Oh, sure. So now you get these monocultures of apples. Then you get an apple disease that comes through, and they're like, well, we can't lose all of our apples that we've been growing for so many years. Yeah. So you get all these you know, big spraying things that go over and they destroy it. So you get this classic monoculture sense that environmentally is awful. But the other thing is, apples are like not that good. They're just, they may taste fine, but are you always, you're hungry after you eat an apple, Alex. And if you're not, you're a liar. Yeah. It's so funny, like this, like in the 90s, especially, I feel mm-hmm. like an apple was like a good snack. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is um, an apple day. It gives the doctor away. Yeah. That, what does it do? That's it gives so you a funny. little bit of water and it helps clear your in- intestines because it's essentially twig matter that's just non-soluble fiber that you just poop out. Great. Hey, awesome. Maybe I need to start eating some apples. There you go. Eat more <laughs> apples. That way you can clear your gut out and all these things. That's totally great. Uh, for the new listener, I, there's an ongoing narrative that I have uh, <laughs> gastrointestinal issues right we now. We actually do these recordings sitting in our own toilets. And, God, uh, that would be amazing, yeah, be Casey. Great. What what an so, idea! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Alex, as he walks in with his microphone. <laughs> so it's yeah, they're just they're pointless. They grow so big and they're yeah. so gaudy. No animals can eat them except for humans. Like other than like maybe a uh, uh, a horse or something like that. Right. Like with a massive mount. Yeah, horses mouth. like apples. Um, but then like they're just so big. If you don't tend the the apple orchard correctly or your apple tree, they will literally rip the apple tree in half. Wow! Like they're so they get so big and heavy and so. Uh laden with these things that they'll break branches and so they it's like well that doesn't seem like it's good for the tree that's it's, like a factory farm chicken that exactly. has too much antibiotics antibiotics yes yes exactly uh, and it's and it's and breasts are too big that it can't even fucking walk and it, they keep it like immobile yeah it's awful i don't even want to think about that let's not get into that so they're pointless they give you almost no nutritional value they're basically just water they sometimes have a fine flavor if they're not a granny smith or if they are a granny smith no which whatever i'm trying to say is granny smith sucks okay they're the green ones that taste like sour patch kids and they suck okay i hate them next thing they rip apart the apple tree that they're actually on if you're getting one that's not like adapted very well to this area it's probably been sprayed with herbicides there's probably nothing else delicious or light living in the entire orchard uh-huh. and on top of that they provide you're you're hungrier after you eat an apple you eat yeah. it you don't add your peanut butter to it because you're you're, you're on the right side of evolution <laughs> and you just are like well this is this is pointless what's next casey it's time for our review of the apple mm-hmm. malice domestica here is how our review usually works. Yes. You and I give some final thoughts on the tree and then give it a rating of zero to 10 golden cones of honor. But this season, <laughs> Alex, yes. we're going to do golden Michelin cones of honor. That's right, Casey. In line <laughs> with the food world, we will be awarding these trees golden Michelin cones of honor. That's right. Casey, as our resident expert, and as always, oh. we will begin with you and i want to give you one i want to give you some criteria here okay all right less than a minute (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's where i was going yes we heard many of your great impassioned thoughts on the apple yep for the sake of uh uh, me uh let's 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 hear a nice let's hear a tweet version you know what no your cones are your own your reviews are your own but i just want to i just want to uh uh, you know, I don't. I don't need to say what I've already said. Alex. Yeah, essentially, I I will give you a quick summary. I find apples to be most of the time fairly unpalatable. I find them other times when they are palatable to be obscenely large and pointless once eaten. I think they are an abomination of nature, similar to old JA, in that they are most of the time cultivars that have uh, a susceptibility of a bubble boy in without the bubble wow to disease and things like this 
I also find that they will rip apart their own tree because we forced them to grow these obscenely large, gigantic things that are unnatural. Yeah. I also think the apple trees as a street tree seems like a good idea, and no one ever no one ever thinks through that thought. They're always like, oh, great, yeah, let's plant an apple tree on the street. Uh. Then inevitably, time gets on, they don't harvest their apples, they realize they're covered in worms, and then the whole street is just strewn with apples. The whole street smells like kombucha. Yeah, exactly, yeah, because then they just ferment right on the road. Yeah, man. So, that great idea on paper, horrible di- idea in practice. Yeah. Um, I don't prefer apples because they also sprout. And if you don't take care of them in a very specific way, they look horrible. Hmm. They grow up and they send these weird things that kind of pop out and do this and you come over here and then do that. And then you get some flowers. Okay, cool. Then you don't get flowers and then they rip themselves apart. They have really nice wood. It's very strong wood. I think the bark is really nice. That's about all I can say about the apple tree. I'm going to give an apple tree a (gasps) 1.3. Wow. Michelin has... Absolutely nothing to do with apples. Michelin, sorry. We have to make sure to say it a specific way oh, so we yeah. don't get that's uh, the copyright other, That's the other thing Casey and I talked about. We're spelling Michelin, M-I-S-H-L-I-N, and then a little copyright symbol. Yeah, exactly. That's ours now. Yeah, thanks. I think that's how copywriting works. 1.3. 1. 1.3. You know what? Startling. 1.3 golden... Ah, oh, it's going to be hard for me to do that. Yeah, golden Michelin cones of honor. Golden Michelin cones of honor? It's, I, it's so messy. It is. Well, we can just say golden cones of honor. Yeah, we'll shorten it to we'll Golden sh- Cones of Honor. <laughs> oh, great. That's a man, great idea. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, how much time was that? Was that only a minute? That was only a minute. Don't look at the... Stop looking at the clock. Yeah, once I edit it, it'll be about a minute. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Um, the Apple Tree. By Alex Croson. <laughs> you know, I, I, the apples are classic, uh, but how much of that is propaganda? Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They, they didn't teach us about any of this in, in elementary school. Yeah, no, this is big apple. But they put an apple on our lunch tray every single day. Exactly. And they're like, this is going to be good for the kids. I, 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 you know, traditionally, I don't care for apples. Okay. I'm, as far as poems go, I'm more of a pear man. Ah. Mm-hmm. Love me a good pear. Okay. However, yesterday, Knowing that we were going to record Apple today, yesterday yeah. I went to my corner market. Okay. It has a beautiful produce stand, and I grabbed a couple different varieties of apples to try. And last night I ate one, mm-hmm. and I forget what it was called. But my God, Casey, was it delicious. Oh, it was so refreshing. It tasted like fall. It tasted of the earth. It was so, so, so good. I don't like apples when they're cooked into anything. Mm-hmm. I hate hot fruit. Okay. Don't give me an apple pie. I want, uh, if you ever have a band, can you call it hot fruit? Hot fruit, sure. Yeah. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. Yesterday, if you asked me what my rating of an apple tree would be, I'd, maybe, I'd go in the four to five range, probably. I don't okay. hate it. Sure. I'm not anti-apple mm. or apple tree. Okay. Today, if you ask me, I'm giving this bo- this bad boy... A 7.0. A nice, round, well-deserved 7.0. I know, Casey. I am. I am. I am. You got red in the face. It's because I think that was so inappropriately outrageous. (laughs) Well. Here comes your own, Alex. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You know, it sounds like you have a very, an extremely um, heterozygote uh, appeal per day of your rating of the apple. You know what? I take that as a compliment. Yeah, I think you should. It's the first time anyone's ever said it to me. Hey, now, yeah. A lot of people say it, actually. They just, they didn't. Oh, they say it about me? Yeah. They behind do. my back? Yeah. But in a way where they're, they're just like, <laughs> he's so heterozygote. Oh, that Alex. When will he stop being heterozygote? Extremely heterozygote. But goat stands for greatest of all time. <laughs> yeah, it does. Oh, uh, perfect. <laughs> that was our review of the Apple the malice domestica jeez it's time for a game casey i'm ready for a game alex if not a fan favorite certainly an alex favorite it's one of my favorites it's time to play the family tree it's a common condition in this asian day for casey and alex anthropomorphize a tree Zeus of Olympus, Saruman. Some people say it's even Admiral Thrawn. Deep cut. 
You know there must be some kind of rules inside this stupid game. But all we can see is the possibility of a segment for completely arbitrary. Maybe Jean-Luc Picard is an elm of some kind. And the kid from Up is a Ponderosa Pine. There's room for yous and mahogany's. Room for the host to disagree. It's a podcast game called The Family Tree. Here's how it works, Casey. You and I are going to present a group of some kind from some media. It could be the cast of a sitcom, mm-hmm. me, uh, uh, other groups, etc. Uh, like groups of. Uh, we've done. <laughs> what am I trying to think of? I don't know. I just can't get over how you just seamlessly transitioned back to like serious podcasting ever after just belting that out like a professional. It has to be done. It's beautiful. I just I I can't not comment. That it was great, and you recorded that right here in front of us each time. There's never like, uh, just press the button and it plays through. All right. Anyway, great job. In the past, we've done uh, uh, god, groups of gods, like the Greek mm-hmm. gods. Mm-hmm. And then we are going to ascribe each member of that group a tree yes. that best represents their personality and their physical appearance, their overall character. Yeah. Casey. Alex. I texted you last night, mm-hmm. and I said, have we done a family tree for Star Wars? And I was like, no. You said no, and then I I, I, I had to rack my brain. I thought, God, there's no fucking way we haven't done that yet. I actually said no with an exclamation point, so you knew I was excitedly saying, uh-uh. Yeah, and we hadn't. Yep. And now we will. And now we shall. Casey, let's do family tree Star Wars style. That's the, the march. not a song, isn't from... it? Yeah, it is. It's like the march of the uh, the the, the bad imperial guys. march. Yeah, the imperial yeah. march. Yeah. The march of the bad guys. I think yeah. is what it's called. I think that's what actual... it's called. Yeah, yeah. On John... the sheet music. Yeah, poor John Williams. He couldn't. Uh, he couldn't come up with a good name in time. <laughs> the deadline was coming up. He just had to send it in. I forgot the name of him. This one's called "Good Guy Gets a Laser Sword." <laughs> Casey, let's start with the main character of the show, Leia. Yes, Princess Leia, Leia Organa. Yep, from the uh, from the the planet Alderaan. That's right. Sadly, got destroyed. So sad. Her whole family, her whole existence. Yeah, everything. Gone All in a flash. the trees. How many trees do you think we lost from Alderaan? I would say at least in the millions. Yeah, probably. Okay. Um. So Princess Leia is. Uh, she doesn't take shit from nobody. She doesn't. She becomes a general. She does. Yeah, she's a good leader. She takes matters into her own hands. Yeah. Um, she, I, I rewatched New Hope kind of recently and was mm-hmm. like, as a kid, I was like, yeah, Luke Skywalker like saved Princess Leia. You watch it now as an adult. It's like, no, not really. I mean, like, yeah. he opened the door, but mm-hmm. she saved all of them. She did. I mean, she's the one who, who put her life on the line to send R2-D2 uh, with yeah. the, his message to Obi-Wan. She's a goddamn hero. She really is. Uh, Casey, okay. what do you think? All right. So she is... I almost started singing the song from uh, Miss Congeniality, where it's like, she's grace, she's this, she's that. And then, <laughs> yes. And I couldn't come up with the lyrics. Oh, that's... Okay, so it's something that's extremely hard, extremely tough, also gets the job done. Yes. And at the same time yeah. is, is you know, stunning. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, she has some outfits that really threw the 80s for a, for a loop, I think. That's right. The first thing that I came up with, and I don't know why, is a tree called the Mountain Mahogany. Wow. I think it's a Cerocarpus alternifolia, I think, with a C at the beginning. Uh, I, th- I'm not convinced. The only reason here, let me give you my my uh, my idea. So I saw some of these in the Ochico Mountains this last uh, year. Yeah, and they are just an absolutely beautiful tree. They don't grow really big. They grow at really really high elevations, but they're a broadleaf tree that's evergreen. They are uh, they're trees that get. 
big, but not like tree big. Like like they just get like maybe thirty feet, twenty five feet tall. Okay. Um, but they are human just big. Human big, yeah. And they are they're just really really tough trees. Like for being a broadleaf tree, grown at the top of a seven thousand foot mountain. Yeah. And not taking shit from anything like they grow underneath gigantic snow loads they grow where ponderosa pine and subalpine fir cannot make it Hmm. they are these they have these these beautiful like curly leaves that come out in their um their seeds are like have these little wings on them that are they look like like feathers kind of popping out or something Hmm. and i just think they're really tough gorgeous trees they they have to me an appeal of being just like the perfectly formed, gorgeous, rugged tree. Casey, I think this is great. That's what I would think. I'm looking at some photos yeah. of this mountain mahogany. Can I add one thing? Yeah. In in time and place, I think we should have this mountain mahogany like in the courtyard of a mountaintop fortress. Ooh, because she yes. is, after all, she, royalty. She's royalty. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That makes that makes perfect sense. That's great. What I feel great job. Good okay. teamwork. There we go. Whew. Next up, a secondary character. Luke Skywalker. He is a farm boy. Yep, yep. He has big aspirations. Mm-hmm. He's motivated. He is. He is driven by revenge in a way. He's moisture farmer, which I think is kind of fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, got, yeah. He's got, can I? Oh, he, go ahead. I was going to say he has a high metachlorian count. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which I thought was important. <laughs> As of 2001. Yeah. <laughs> or 1999, he has a high metachlorian count. <laughs> How about this? I choose a eucalyptus tree. Okay. And the reason I choose a eucalyptus tree is that they get huge, but it takes them a little while to get up there. Then they can be very grand, massive, huge trees. Yeah. Um, they also grow in the desert, though. They do grow in the desert. I don't know if they, take a, if they are moisture farmers at the very beginning, but they must do it at some point. They're also, they have a lot of interesting colors on like the rainbow Mm, eucalyptus. Yeah, yeah. And Luke Skywalker has a pretty drastic character arc. Yeah, but do they complain a lot? That's the real question. Mm. I want a tree that's just like, oh God. I think of a a Katsura when I think of that. They're ancient trees. Definitely have a high metachlorian count, the Katsura. Mm. Um, And if you plant them here, they just need help all the time. It's like they just they can't they can't take our water, but this doesn't feel right. I'd say eucalyptus is probably closest. Yeah, I think we're, let's go to the eucalyptus for for, yeah. for that. Uh, Casey, next up, the man in black. Oh, Darth Vader. Oh gosh, I was thinking you're gonna go with Darth Maul. Oh no, we don't talk about Darth Maul in this house. Oh God, you're kidding me. He's but Darth like, Vader, I love Darth Maul. Is a you know, bad guy. He's a real bad guy. He used to not be a bad guy, but then he turned into a bad guy. Turned into a bad guy and um, uh, tried to take over the universe multiple times. Yeah. Does okay. he have a... Does uh, What is Darth Vader's character? Darth Vader's character, so he initially is born Anakin Skywalker, and then from Anakin, he then gets wronged in a Greek tragedy in the prequels. <laughs> And because That's, all these things go uh, wrong for him, he becomes a really bad guy. He uses his, quote, anger and hatred, uh-huh. and that leads to suffering and then the dark side. But in, like, A New Hope, he's he's just sort of, like, imposing, and, and he's, like, the strong man for the for the boss. Yeah, exactly. That's true. He's he's like an underling. That's right. He's, yeah. not, he's not that important. Yeah, he works for the Emperor. Ooh. But he's also Ooh. very, like, he's like, hey... You know, he he like puts that general in his place. Yeah, exactly. Uh, even though the general is like a higher rank, maybe than him. Yeah, and he'll strangle you, Alex. Casey, I think he's a strangler fake. Yes, he's a strangler. That's fake. what I feel because when he starts, he's adorable and he's cute, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's just growing down. It's not doing anything. He's just on this branch." Then all of a sudden, he literally strangles the yeah. tree to death. Suddenly, it's like, "Oh, there's Slow, a turn." Slowly starts to try to take over an entire forest. Yeah, an entire area. And uh, at the end, gets redemption. He's a strangler fig. He's a strangler fig. He's full of wasps. Yeah, he's... <laughs> yes! Remember that scene where they open up his head and he's full of wasps? Yeah, I remember that scene. Yeah, it was terrifying Yeah, as a child. Casey, our last character in this oh, family tree... I want to do all of them. My, my personal favorite character what? of any Star Wars uh, movie. Darth Maul. The very cool, kind of a sex symbol... Okay. Kind of a bad boy. Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> we don't talk about Darth Maul in this house, but we talk about Jar Jar Binks. We do, but we're, you know, 
<laughs> where we wink at it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, okay, all right, I see. Jar Jar is a Gungan. He is, he's a Gungan. He's from Taboo. He lives in kind of the wetlands slash underwater. Yeah, yeah, Naboo, sorry. He can swim. He's a tag-along. He's sort of a, he's, oh. He becomes the ambassador for Naboo. Oh, God. I forgot how terrible that fucking movie is. It's it's a series of movies. They're it's so, called The Prequels. So bad. How dare you? I think he might be. He's a little, He's you know, he keeps showing up. Yeah. Even when you think you got rid of him, he shows up again, and exactly. he won't leave you alone. You know what he is? What? The tree of heaven. He's a tree of heaven. A little bit dumb, grows, like, is, is, is <laughs> yes. you know, doesn't know where it's going, just kind of fumbles through life and yes. ends up succeeding. Lands where he does and gets up and keeps going. Yep, I think that's true. You cut his head off and he grows a new one. Yeah. Okay, just to be clear, I, love I don't that know if that is, if that's technical gun-gun lore. Although, <laughs> um, uh, uh. I almost did my boss nass impression. Um, <laughs> although tree, just, just, <laughs> I don't want to shake my headphones off. <laughs> he did it. Thank you. Uh, does the oh, tree of heaven yeah. doesn't grow in like a riparian area? Does it? It'll or, grow anywhere. Okay. Yeah. It'll, it'll do literally anything. Cool. That was Family Tree, Casey. I enjoyed that. I did too. And you know what? I want to do Family Tree Star Wars Part Two, where we do all the others. That sounds good to me. And then three and four and five. Casey, it's time for our completely arbitrary Q and A. This week's question is from Addie Theus. Hello, Addie. Addie says, hey, Addie. Addie says, hi, Alex and Casey. I'm a wetland delineator in southern Minnesota. In the field, we identify tree species to help determine the boundary of wetlands. Hmm. Some tree species can be found in the supersaturated soil versus some species that live on the edge of the wetlands. Mm -hmm. I was wondering, how do some trees survive the extreme conditions in the wetlands? What kind of wetland tree species are found in Oregon? Love your show and have learned so much. Thanks, Addie Theus from Minnesota. Thank you so much for your question, Addie. Case. How curious. Wetland trees, speaking of the Gungans. Yes. All right, so... There is, uh, it's honestly, it's hard to say exactly what um, what the thing is, but it's a, it boils down to adaptation, right? Yeah. Where you have some trees that are adapted to dry conditions and some trees that are adapted to uh, less dry conditions. Um, the less dry conditions being a wetland would be that they would actually have their, uh, their roots growing underneath the, the water. Every living thing needs to respire. So if you have uh, the chemical equation for photosynthesis, if you just reverse that, that's a uh, combustion equation that is us burning our sugars. So you add oxygen to a simple sugar that combusts and then that releases carbon dioxide and water. Those two things, if those are are released from a, um, a, a reaction, that is a combustion reaction. By, I believe that is a chemical type technical term, so a combustion reaction. Okay. Um, and respiration is that, where the plants will do the exact opposite. They'll take the water and carbon dioxide, release oxygen, and turn it into a simple sugar. So flip that around. That's respiration. So you need oxygen in order to respire. So all these trees, some will get oxygen from the soil. There's an X amount of soil oxygen just within pore spaces. Mm. And um, that would be trees that are adapted to living in those situations. Other trees would be more adapted to taking that in from the canopy a little bit more or can take a situation where their roots kind of just go out into the water and they have these little teeny tiny root hairs and sometimes they can absorb a small amount and they can just survive. But I don't really know if there is, I don't know what the mechanism is, you know? Yeah. That if there is some fungus that is helping to grab oxygen or if they're just better adapted to do it from their canopy rather than from the ground or if they don't grow, uh, if they're better at just chilling out for a second in these like anaerobic oxygenless conditions waiting till things dry out and then oxygen mm. is sucked down into it. So just like uh, you recall the mangroves, a lot of times they could get the um, the movement of the water would actually force um, oxygen and fresh water in and out of the, the soil area. Yeah. Just because if the water goes down, then that sucks in air now where there is no water in the soil. Okay. Um, and then when it goes up, it'll push that all out. So there might be some amount of fluctuation that happens with the, the wetland plants. Um, however, uh, there's a lot of different variation within, you know, individual tree species and, or not species, but genre, as well as just general, um, variation between a, uh, a gradient. So you have the plants that need 
want to be and really thrive in the water. Willows, um, black tupelos, the bald cypress is mm-hmm. another great example. So what about Oregon wetlands? Oregon wetlands, oh, this is that's a great question. We have a lot of different willow species that grow, a lot of different alders. And uh, the red alder is a species that grows here um, that is the quintessential wetland tree. You can find it all the time with the black cottonwood. Those are um, the three big ones, kind of shrub species uh, or small trees of willows. Um, but then we also have the uh, Oregon white ash, Fraxinus latifolia. And all those you'll find growing in wetland areas where if you dig a little bit, there's going to be water. Or if there is a stream that is sort of seasonal nearby, you can find all these trees. Sweet. Thank you, Addy, for your question. If you have a question about trees, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. That's A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y pod. Or follow us on Instagram and follow us on Instagram at arbitrarypod. Or you can join the Patreon. For $5 a month, you get two bonus episodes about other related topics. Or you can join the Code of the Month Club and get a unique die-cut sticker illustrated by an independent artist every month of a new cone. Casey. Alex. 2021 and the end of this year. Excuse me. This is 2021. It is. The end of this year and 2022. Yeah. Patreon-wise. They're going to be incredible. I'm very thrilled. Yeah. You've put in a lot of work to find a bunch of really cool artists, a bunch of cool cones. I'm excited. Me too. This is the this is the end of the 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 show of the very first one of the fourth season. That's right. I'm excited. This Cong- is, I feel good. Congratulations on on our first episode of season four, Casey. And congratulations. Well, thank you. You're welcome. And with that, we say thank you so much for listening to Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. Goodbye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening.